hey, hey, is this thing on? We're, we're doing a podcast in here, but like normally Laura is here, but I kicked her out and took over because I wanted to relicense this broadcast with an anti-competitive bent so I can play a bigger role in it, you guys. Okay, are we good for this? Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Who do we else have today? John, you're still here, right? Yeah. Did you, did you get anti-competed out? I didn't want to compete with uh, Rasmus. Oh, yeah. You better think uh, about it. Yeah, I'm here, Rasmus. Just listening in. All right. It's like there's a chilling effect in the room just because somebody takes over and relicenses all the things. What is that about? I mean, I guess you, I guess you must be referring to HashiCorp there, Rasmus. <laughs> I do. That's right. It's the elephant in the room. What is going on with HashiCorp, John? I have opinions, but you have neutrality. Yeah, well, let's 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 I guess start with uh, with the what's actually happened. So, um, Azure Corp have announced that in the next release of all of their product suite, um, they'll be relicensing from the Mozilla Public License um, version two, so the um, uh, the kind of free free open source license. Um, to their business source license, which is uh, uh, not an open source license um, by pretty much any definition, including HashiCorp's, um, which um, includes uh, clauses um, that prevent anybody using or embedding, um, pro well, providing a service or embedding the um, the, um, the 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 products that HashiCorp make um, in a in a in a competing offering. Um, and yeah, there's 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 all sorts of things to unpack there about you know what what competing means and 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 all those things. But that that's 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 what they've done. They've relicensed everything from um, open source to a non-open source license. What a shocker! You can just take a thing to like where multiple things like multiple people are contributing and just call it your own and like no, you can't do that thing anymore. What is up with that? That isn't open source. Or the the mindset in there. Ah, I have so many things to say. Joven, what do you have? Well, you just said we can't do it, but apparently you can, right? I mean, that's what HashiCorp has proven. But again, I mean, as John said, you have to see their point of view. Uh, obviously, they have a product which people are using and they are not able to make any money out of it. You could argue that that's the definition of open source, right? I mean, that's why the open source exists, but again, can we take an open source product and utilize it for our own benefits when it is HashiCorp who is doing most of the hard work, right? So you have to think it from their perspective. But again, the problem from my perspective is it's so much vague uh, and the, there is no real clarity on what can be done and what cannot be done. And if you ask different people, you might actually get different opinions. Like for example, as a CTO of the company, John might have a completely different perspective and I'm not sure how much of a John uh, says that HashiCorp is in the right uh, in doing this. You know, will he actually approve? I mean, will you, John, approve us using you know uh, Terraform in our projects? I mean, this this is this is a really good question, right? Um, because uh, we have um, so it, 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 as as part of our kind of standards uh, we, we have a list of approved licenses that, that of open source licenses that you can that you can use as long as you meet the requirements in them 
but without without any conversation with anyone it's like this these these are the ones though that it's called them blessed these are the blessed licenses you're good to go with these anything under those um the the, the bsl is under that you must talk to someone before you consider using this because the it, it's not a no it's not a hard no but it's also a oh you've you've got to be careful here because we need to we need to we need to work this out and understand it and 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 get to where it, like um you know look at look at le le legal review and and and, and all, all 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 that sort of friction and and things um and we're going to have to do that with 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 the bsl as as it is and have a look at our our organization and is what we're doing and do we compete do we not all of those those, those sorts of those sorts of things yeah i mean i totally understand that but from where i'm sitting if i'm starting to work on something completely new or my team is starting to work on completely something new i don't want to wait for corps approval or legal approval before i start working on it i i just need to start working on it right now so if i have an alternative should i be going for that or should i just wait for this approval that could take weeks i mean we just want to move fast yeah it's a it's a huge friction point and i think this will be repeated in organizations who like but worldwide is this is going to start to be something which is um is that or you continue to use it under under the mpl and that's and and you keep you keep going with that yeah. so it's um it and and you're stuck stuck with the versions as it as it is and you and you don't get security updates or any feature updates and those those kind of things and it get even worse i mean it's okay at least when i'm starting to work on something new i have a choice that i can make but what if i had been working on this thing for the last two years and then suddenly this happens and now i am like after the fact i mean what should i have done i mean what i what have i done you know what will i do next i mean should i just move to another product or should i continue using terraform knowing that hashicorp can call me a competitor and maybe you know sue me who knows it's crazy and there's not enough drama in here you guys make too much sense this is open source it's drama land it's time so i wanted to throw in a little bit of background information for those that might not be as as experienced in the nuance of all the backstory and background of this kind of topic in open source in general just as our resident open source purist and nerd on the topic so pulling it back a little bit you know the open source i'm going to say the open source ecosystem was kind of a happy-go-lucky place for a long time where you had some you know copy left nerds and some really like yeah do whatever including commercial and there was some friction a little bit back and forth and all that but it was generally a happy place but then the thing happened here a few years ago when elastic and mongo you know big projects out there saw their source get used by somebody like aws who hid behind this loophole where if they enhanced the software that was open source didn't release the changes because the license didn't require them to do so if they weren't shipping source code but aws was just offering a service online which is like hang on you can't come here and benefit from all this open source and use a loophole out of getting to get out of contributing back to the community when you've made valuable contributions. And Mongo, uh, Elastic and others sort of started down the path of more business friendly licenses that were at the time, it seemed like it was inspired by, you know, justice in the sense of 
you can't just go here and, and take the stuff and not contribute back. But there's a long path from back when it was sort of like a small little thing to where this BSL thing comes in. And I believe MariaDB, aka used to be called MySQL, started that I'm getting a little bit worse because the original like fix to this was just to say, hey, AWS, you can't use our things without contributing back. That's the really brief version of it. That's That sounds reasonable. Okay, fine, fair. But what happened was that may have opened the floodgates with some not so clear intent, much like HashiCorp has now stepped into this minefield of, of intent. The license they're using, the BSL, was come up with by the MariaDB project because, again, they wanted to be able to say, hey, we made this, like, we, we spent a lot of effort on this. We want to be able to have at least a little bit of a moat of, you know, safety around being able to, we want to be the ones that monetize this primarily, but we still want to benefit the community and all those kind of things. That kind of made more sense when it was just a database software, because it's kind of like, yeah, it's a piece of software. It's a database. If you want to use that database, you follow those terms. If you don't, you don't. It's fine. It's a database. But now the HashiCorp got into it with something as broad as Terraform and Vault, which gets used all over the place in all kinds of different versions and so on. Suddenly, this license that in theory sounded simple, like you can't make a competitive offering, that's easy to understand with a database software. But when it's like the underpinnings of the modern DevOps organization in using Terraform to manage infrastructure, that just infiltrates everything. And that's the background on the, like why this is different and how we got here. Yeah, that, that's a great background. And again, what makes it more complicated is HashiCorp is already monetizing it with the help of Terraform Cloud and Terraform Enterprise. So it's not like they are not monetizing Terraform. So the question then becomes anybody else who is using Terraform is now directly competing with Terraform Cloud or maybe um, you know Terraform Enterprise, right? So that is where it becomes so vague and mushy. So how, how do you actually say you're not competing with them while also using Terraform? It's like, does, is anybody with a, who does any sort of Terraform state management in in, in the sites is is that it is that it the um is that the, the, the target if so that's that's a that's a lot of people one of the things that i've been trying to work out is who the target is of the com competitors like as, as rasmus was explaining like clearly aws acting probably you know possibly in bad faith with things like elastic with elastic elastic search in, in particularly hosting their own modifying it and not contributing back so that defense is Kind of defensible, um, but the I, I can't see who it I can't see who it is that this bit, bit being um, this being attacked. The, the 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 other kind of big distinction now I think between the the other examples and 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 HashiCorp is that they're all like services that you run. Like you run a database. They're all let's call them all databases for for the for the sake of this. It's something that you you run and operate and keep there. Like Terraform isn't Terraform is something you you modify heavily. You you integrate with. You've got providers. Um, it's like a language. It's, yeah, it, it, absolutely. And and it doesn't seem to fit that as a as a, as a way of um is a way as a way of working. It doesn't seem to fit the intent and the um or the um the the underlying reason why you'd have that 
as 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 a license. Like I could actually see how some of the other services that the Terraform, that the, sorry, that the uh, HashiCorp have could fit under the BSR. So maybe you could license Vault uh, or, or Nomad and, and under it, but Terraform just doesn't conceptually mm. doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it fits. Um, particularly with the, the sort of Terraform cloud there as as the uh, this, this this the secondary um, the, like the, the paid for service, and that, that's been one of the the main things that are brought up in in the the crazy discussions happening right now. In that a HashiCorp already has a proprietary product related to Terraform, which is Terraform Cloud, which is a server side thing like you could do with something like Vault. That kind of makes sense, but they already have that potential profit center. I suppose maybe it's not doing well enough, but Terraform, the language, the CLI, is like, huh? The, there's a lot of of you know not great understanding going on about this, and I suspect that it's it's it, it's got to have something to do with HashiCorp looking at the past examples of this, the the, the that Elastic, Mongo, and so on. They switch licensed to prevent a given usage. They probably meant for something relatively mild to help trying to protect their products and, and, and potential for profit, but then they just didn't recognize, wait a minute, this like opens up the Pandora's box of, of just weird interpretations and potential future bad faith, and it's just it's crazy. Yeah, it, it goes back to whether it is actually a product or a language in itself, right? And uh, I mean, it's not just side, I mean, talk about consolidation, um, talk about container orchestration, and you can see Kubernetes is sort of kind of the uh, standard now in, in all things, um, container orchestration. Similarly, Terraform was becoming the standard in terms of uh, infrastructure as code and how you write infrastructure, right? Uh, I have been in so many arguments where people were weighing up cloud formation versus Terraform and finally ended up on Terraform because it was open source, one, but also because you know it was cloud diagnostic and you could actually connect it with GCP, Azure, AWS, whatever. So there were so many positives to Terraform. Now that it is BSL, how would those discussions go? And I'll probably throw it even back to Chalky. He he in one of our podcasts was actually mentioning that you know we should be using Terraform for infrastructure and Ansible for configuration management, but. Will we go with the same attitude now that it is BSL? Right, that is always my question. Yep, and it's to to sort of pull an almost absurd example out. This is almost like if Google were somehow able to wrest back control of Kubernetes and licensed it and kubectl with the BSL. They're like, no, we want to make money off this now. Wait, what? Because there's just been years and years of, of of community engagement and activity, I don't know how much contributing back there has been of you know Terraform bug fixes and so on from the community. I don't know how hard it is to do with it, because in projects with a, a strong central vendor, sometimes it can be difficult to contribute back. But contributions have happened. Tons of people have staked their well, maybe staking their careers on Terraform is a bit much, but nonetheless. They went in it with one impression of what the expectations were and just had the rug pulled out from under them. So I, th I think there's a lot of of hurt feelings out in the community right now. I don't know if HashiCorp intended it or they just kind of waded into it, but uh, it's something else, that's for sure. 
And to that point, I mean, about the intent, I mean, obviously the intent is probably clear. They want to, you know, uh, stop people from using Terraform uh, for their profits and whatever, uh, you know, uh, and that's fine. I mean, the intent is clear, but again, how 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 vague it is makes it all the more complicated, right? Um, there was this uh, thing about BSL that they were saying it's it's vague because people wanted um, you know competitors or other vendors who were using Terraform to reach out to Hashicorp on a case by case basis so they could actually vet it. Yeah, you are okay to use it. You are okay to use it. No, you are not okay to use it because you are using it for your profits and you know. Uh, you're making, you're monetizing it, right? So that was the intent behind, uh, you know, making it BSL. That was an argument that I found uh, yesterday. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, that is probably what they meant. But again, as John was saying, we don't know who the competitors are. Who are they actually after, right? Um, that, that's where it can get a bit tricky. Are we the competitor? I, I don't know. I mean, we use Terraform a lot uh, when we create infrastructure for our customers, right? Uh, I know that a lot of the vendors that we work with, like for example, whether it is GitLab or Atlassian, all of our partners use Terraform quite a lot in their quick stats, right? So are they actually the competitors? Uh, how will uh, vendors like GitLab take this particular development? Will they continue yeah. using Terraform? So there's a lot of questions out there. That's un unanswered right now. I think the GitLab thing is particularly a good example because they have a Terraform state option in GitLab, the software. That means I'm pretty sure that they would count as competitor. So can they no longer use that? And if we are using GitLab for Terraform state management while we're consulting for a, for a customer, can we not use it? it? It's so, so messy. And, and another thing to go back, uh, John pulled out some stats here that a lot of developers have contributed to Terraform Core, but also there are hundreds of Terraform providers. You know, the, the ecosystem around Terraform is wide. Now, my understanding is that's not affected because the providers are licensed differently. But the open core model, which I do support, I, I like it when there is like, we build an ecosystem, here we've opened the call. It's freely licensed, so you can go you can go nuts and then build things around it. You can build all the plugins and extensions and add-ons, and those can be licensed differently. And you know, maybe some people make a bunch of things for free, maybe some make it paid, and that's great. So essentially the central vendor is doing this, the cultivating of the overall ecosystem, and then everybody can can play with the, the stuff around it. But in this case, HashiCorp is saying, like, you know, we want to control all of that, even though technically they don't for the like the providers. But if they control the center and can say who is or isn't a competitor, that must have a paralyzing effect on the community. Yeah, and speaking of control, I mean, that's again another big thing, right? Um, actually, GitLab CEO uh, said he actually came out and said. Um, what is more concerning is not the terms right now. What they don't view as a competition today, they might actually see as a competition two years from now. What happens then, right? They can actually move the goalposts. And that is the problem with the BSL license. And there is no clear terms that says, okay, as of today, what we're working on is a competition. Maybe tomorrow it's not. So that that is, again, the problem. So 
how how are they going to control the other vendors or others who are using the product? Yep, and it's it's going to be really hard to justify investing in Terraform as a a vendor or a provider or whatnot. Like we've we've been using Terraform in our own products, and we suddenly have to worry. Hey, wait a minute. Can we do this? And even if we can now, what if we build a whole business around it? And then I said two years down the road, HashiCorp comes, oh, sorry, we launched a thing like that ourselves. So no, you can't use your thing anymore. And uh, yeah, that that's rough. So speaking of that, I mean, so what do folks do? I mean, will they continue using the current version of Terraform or fork it and probably start making changes to our own version of Terraform going forward? Yeah, this is a, this is a, I think this is a great question, Jobin, why, where, where do you, where do you go? So, so, um, so Gruntwork, who, who built up a lot of, um, of, of, of community, um, like products around Terraform, um, I mean, it's like we, we, we use, um, Terra Grunt in, in places and there's, there's some other tools as well that they, 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 they work with and the other things. Um, so they're, they're kind of leading the charge on a, on a, on a kind of a community main, a community owned fork, um, called, um, open tier, um, which, which I think has got some, got some legs. Um, and, and I think that the, the key thing there is that it's owned by a foundation, which is, which is that this was, this was what the, the really important thing that Google did with Kubernetes was, was, was put it, put the ownership of it, of it under a foundation which means they have a decent amount of control over but not exclusive of control they couldn't be like that that sort of taking it back and doing something different with it in terms of licensing would be quite difficult um and that that kind of that coming back coming coming together it is a as a foundation for that for, for a for a community fork i think is a um is, is something that's interesting that's gonna be interesting to watch um to go down where where, where that goes um yeah i was actually looking at it at the open org. i mean the first plan is to actually go back to HashiCorp and say, please continue making it open source. <laughs> Whether it works or not, but at least, you know, the, the second, the fallback, a fallback plan of, you know, having an open fork of Terraform, that could actually throw HashiCorp off of the current path. I mean, what yes. if that foundation becomes a prominent one and not the HashiCorp version, right? And it is quite possible, especially if some of the biggest companies out there put some weight behind it. Um, so it will be interesting to watch, and it will be interesting to see how HashiCorp responds to that. Yep, this is what gets my open source open source nerd side really riled up again, because this has happened before and it'll happen again. And there are two parts to this. One is the example of, yeah, it's happened before. My all-time favorite tool of all Jenkins, once upon a time, was called Hudson until somebody decided they didn't want like to release the trademark to the community or something silly like that and what happened a whole bunch of anger nerds got up forked it named it jenkins and guess what hudson eventually just withered and got thrown off and dumped in a, a foundation somewhere to pretty much go off and die and that's harsh that was big time harsh and the same thing could happen here and part of me wants to say it must happen here because there's a slippery slope in effect here where more and more of these not open source things have been coming out other companies have said you know what we think open source means something else or we're visible source or we, you can still contribute but we own it all 
And the more companies that do that, it dilutes the value of open source, or at least it dilutes this, this angle that was trying to make it more of a productive relationship between nerds like myself, developers that want to do cool things, and businesses that want to solidify a tool for the long term. They can make money off it. By all means, there are ways to make money off it. But if you hold it too tight, you severely risk strangling it. And I do hope that there will be enough drama, honestly, to where there will be alarmingly looking forks that could become the new Terraform, enough to where HashiCorp goes back and says, whoa, okay, maybe we were a little bit too, like, willy-nilly about what we actually licensed here. Maybe we need to have a rethink on it. Because I, I might suggest, like, HashiCorp relicensed Vagrant. Like, you can't use Vagrant in production anymore. And like, wait, people use Vagrant in production? What in the world? It just kind of smells like there were some maybe not ideal decisions made here. So hopefully they will have a rethink and everybody will come back in the same room and Terraform will go back to being open source and they can come up with a better way as others have of having like an open core, but then building businesses around the core, not being weird about the core itself. Uh, would you say that, I mean, even if HashiCorp decides to go back and say, hey, we'll continue to make it open source, should it be under the foundation, like John was mentioning, how Kubernetes became under the CNCF, right? Should Terraform be, in that case, continue to be under a foundation rather than just under the ownership of HashiCorp? I think that's probably the number way that HashiCorp can win back reputation at this point, because at this point, otherwise, they're they are looking terrible here, quite honestly. And the way it worked with, with Jenkins and Hudson in the past was there was a commercial interest in it. They kept it going for a few years because they had momentum with a few customers that were signed up for the you know, proprietary version and all that. And eventually they decided, you know what, this isn't working out. And they did donate Hudson back to an open source foundation. But that was too late because years had passed and Jenkins was so much better at that point. So it, it needs to happen fast. Like I would say within a month or two, if they can turn around and say, okay, guys, we get it. You know, let's all build a foundation together and put Terraform in it or, or pick one like the, you know, CNCF or something like that. And then, you know, we will work out something to make it, you know, viable for us to stay in business to do something here because that is viable somehow, but this doesn't seem like the way. Although it does seem to be the, the, the sort of the prevailing trend of where many organizations are going. I mean, like, just you know, there, there seems to be some parallels with with what Red Hat um, have been been doing with um, their interpretation of GPL and um, and things. And and I think there is a there is a real problem that needs to be needs to be addressed. Um, and and I think licenses are a good way of good way of of of, of doing it. But switching licenses it on the, the business models around open source need. Need a lot. They need a lot of work. Need and need kind of some. You know, you were talking about moat moat building um, and things. I, I, um, I, I think that the uh, AGPL works pretty well for organisations who provide a who who maintain an open source version of their software of of, of their um, of of their the, the product. They allow other people to run it, and uh, you know, you can use it as things. You 
And you can even provide a service based on it right, and charge people to do it, but you cannot modify it and um and and then um and and then not provide the modifications back up upstream. Up, up and, and it's that that community element of it, which is the that's the important thing. You, you need to have that yeah. defensibility. Um, because you, you, there is an investment going in, you know, that is, you, yeah, it's like developers time isn't cheap. Um, uh, and, and if you've got a business that's supporting a, the, the, something that needs to be just, that needs to be sustainable. Um, so, um, there's a genuine problem here to be solved. There is. And I think most recently, I think we have probably seen the same issue with uh, Spotify's backstage, right? I mean. They're open source, but at the same time, a lot of lot of the other companies are probably monetizing off of backstage. Um, so they are also still, you know, figuring out how how they can actually monetize backstage, right? Um, again, licensing can be an issue, but again, this could be a good uh, uh, eye opener for them, right? What happened with Hardwick Open Telephone? So mm -hmm. I, definitely something to watch out for. Yeah, and I think Spotify did it well with their premium plugin bundle, for instance, which is like backstage again. The core is free, and we've made these cool plugins over here on the side, and you get to pay for those. Like, okay, that's completely reasonable. So going back to the number of years, I mean, is that actually a factor? I mean, what if Terraform had decided to change uh, the licensing terms probably eight years back? Would yes. that have changed anything? Huge difference. The the, the bait and switch in the long term is really the danger here. In that if you can run a, a, a thing like Terraform for nine years as open source and you can just flip on a dime, that's terrible. If you're doing things like you have a product and you put it in pre-release or beta for free online, and like you, you put a little disclaimer, hey, we don't know how we're going to monetize this. So just, you know, be aware that at some point when we go live with this, we're going to probably come up with some sort of monetization model. Like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. But that's just not how you know Terraform was presented, and there are so many open source products out there like it that you begin as individual contributors and companies and to you know believe the the model of yeah okay, so we can use this, and of course we'll try to be good citizens and contribute back, but it doesn't just disappear nine years later. That's the that's the harsh part, and there is a way to make that work, and I've seen it in other projects where depending on how. The license or copyright or whatnot is held it may require every single person who has ever contributed to sign off on a license change mm. that helps and you can you can find a middle ground somewhere like all active contributors within the last four years must sign off that yes the license can be changed but if they don't then you're not changing it well there is but i think that a lot of that is now moot with contributor license agreement like that you have to sign in order to contribute to to to, to projects which effectively hand the copyright of your it's so you 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 keep the copyright of your um of, of, of your change but you license it to the mm -hmm. the owner of the project to be able to do what they see fit with uh with with, with it um and i mean along with it as well there's there's things like um, um patent grants and, and and indemnity and all that 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 kind of thing. But one of the things that it does do is it opens the door for that to be to be sort of changed. And it, it sort of fixes the problem that Rasmus was just describing as a solution to this. So to some of these uh, some of these things. But it but it is something like that, you know, like a sort of a CTO or CIOs looking at policies need to be thinking about is 
but when we're looking at approving a piece of software for, for use or, or if particularly if it's core to, a, to a, an offering that we've got um how how strong are the protections around that piece of software and and can we rely on it into the future because could something like this happen now there's like as i kind of feel like there's a bit of trust being shaken as like confidence being um and then kind of re re removed in this whole kind of op open open source area which i think it will yeah. be difficult to build back yeah i think definitely there is lessons to be learned even for companies like ours you know who might actually be putting out uh, open source software out there right i mean w what's the licensing that we should be doing and uh, what is the long-term goal here, long-term plan here? All, all of that needs to be taken care of. I, I, to be honest, you know, to summarize, I don't think Hachik um, Hokkop was necessarily being evil uh, in this change of license, the whole thing, but they just probably didn't think about all the potential after effects for everybody else in the ecosystem, right? That is uh, probably backfired a bit. A bit. <laughs> the intent wasn't that bad. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do get that part. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I get that you want to be able to take advantage of your own work. It's just differently, please. <laughs> Not this. I can maybe end it on a, a quick semantic thing that I've, I found useful in the past, because when the, the Hudson and Jenkins community kind of split, one of the arguments was, who's actually the fork? And I think I think that's going to come up again here with with uh, with Terraform because the community, the will of the community, this ephemeral fluffy thing floating around out there, is probably it could very well be that HashiCorp. No, you, that's not the real mainline anymore. No, no, no. You you forked with your weird new license thing. We're still over here. We're just going to keep going like it always was, and we're not the fork. You're the fork. So open source drama. Gotta love it. Brings you back memories of Jenkins, huh? Oh, yeah. So, what else do we have in the news? Not that we should talk about nothing but fun open source drama. Yeah, I believe we'll be discussing a lot about this in the DevOps days in London, where Adaptivist is actually hosting a booth. Um, so, if any of you who are hearing this is coming um, to London DevOps days, Please do visit the Adaptivist booth and let us know about maybe how she got to Terraform and probably talk a lot more about DevOps and everything else. On another note, I am actually attending uh, the DevSecOps event in DC organized by Kerasoft, which is uh, the first time they're doing it, specifically focusing on um, the government community here in DC area, Washington, DC. So I'm looking forward to that. And if I have any news from there, I will definitely... Uh, be sharing with you all in the next podcast. Well, that might be it this from this this episode of the newly rebranded Rasmus's Open Source Drama Broadcast. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Insert usual text here, but follow us on all the things and see what else is going on these days. And maybe the podcast will be back to the same name next time. I don't know, maybe. You know, we'll see. Maybe I'll change my name about rebranding it. 